This episode of KevTech is brought to you by BrewTech. Looking for the best deals around South Africa with the fastest delivery possible? Look no further as BrewTech has got you covered. They offer amazing pre-builds that are bang for the buck as well as super Kev upgrade kits. How's it going my brews? Welcome to KevTech. This is our very first podcast and I'm your host Ewald. We are going to do a weekly podcast where we round up all the weekly news from the latest tech to movies slash series being released. This episode, we will discuss the Steam Deck, the Activision Blizzard lawsuit, talk about the trailer of The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf that Netflix dropped this weekend, and talk about how good the Suicide Squad was. And talking about the Suicide Squad, oh my gosh, what an amazing movie. It surpassed my expectations so much. Way better than the first one. Like, why didn't I just get James Gunn in the first place to direct the first movie? Then it would have been as bad as it was the first time around. <laughs> this is really an amazing movie. Like, James Gunn is the best director out there for superhero movies, in my personal opinion. It it also had a great cast. John Cena, Idris Elba, Jewel Kinnaman, Margot Robbie, and freaking Sylvester Stallone as King Shark. I mean, come on. You cannot go wrong with that. (laughs) They even had such a good chemistry towards each other. It made the whole movie so enjoyable. Like, I had... I never had this much fun watching a movie as I did the Suicide Squad. And spoilers for those for for those who haven't watched the movie yet. If you haven't watched it, I would suggest you to go watch it like now or seeing as there's curfew in South Africa, um, in times when there isn't curfew during the weekend, especially. Um, yeah, just, just just go watch the movie. It is you won't make a mistake. It is so good. So so good. So spoilers for ahead. Um for those who haven't watched it, like the final show off between Bloodsport and Peacemaker was so epic. Especially how Bloodsport used smaller bullets to defeat Peacemaker, referring to the earlier debacle on the movie and how Peacemaker uses smaller bullets to kill his targets. That was a nice, nice added addition from Bloodsport. And also, I know it's a superhero movie, but damn, that hard drive, though, wasn't made out of Supermanium. Like, it fell so many times. It got hit so many times, but at the end, it still worked. Like, who manufactured the drive? Was it Toshiba or HGST? Or was it Seagate? As a computer technician myself, <laughs> seeing the hard drive fall so many times <laughs> and it's still working. Yeah, it is just why can I manufacture most hard drives like that? It is it is insane to see it falling so many times. The the hard drive was actually the, the, the main superhero in the movie here. So I think the hard drive in itself needs a needs a role in the movie some way. <laughs> I really want to rewatch the Suicide Squad now, to be honest. 
I want more from Weasel, even though he didn't have a lot of screen time. The screen time that he did have was epic. I especially also want more from Bloodsport, like how they mentioned in the movie. Um, he was the first assassin to shoot Superman with a kryptonite bullet and putting him in ICU. That would actually make like a good prequel movie for Bloodsport if they are planning to do like a prequel movie or something like that. And I did read today that Idris Alba is um, willing to do a prequel versusing Superman. So that will be epic if, if they actually do pull that off. And people that deserve more screen time is King Shark. And Peacemaker. Luckily, I did see they're also making a Peacemaker series. And it is currently in production. And my mind really just wants to say Peacemaker instead of Peacemaker. I don't know where the correlation between Peacemaker and Peacemaker is. So, I'm just going to train my mind to stop saying Peacemaker. And start saying Peacemaker. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Speaking about new movies being released, did you all see the trailer for a Witcher movie spin-off animation Netflix dropped? The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf, made by the same flippin' people that made Dota Dragon's Blood, which is also on my to-watch list next to Castlevania. Like, don't get me started on Castlevania, that is like another podcast on its own. That was like the best video game adaptation ever in my opinion like if you do make something it needs to be compared to castlevania because that was actually really really well done the animation was so fluid on castlevania like the best (laughs) but like i said that is a podcast for another time i'm just gonna say castlevania is is S tier at this moment. <laughs> the new trailer showcases a lot more of the expanded Witcher universe and some set flipping, impressive looking fight scenes and effects. The sword that made me drool. It was like on Castlevania level animation scenes. Like it was so amazing. And for those wondering, yes, there is a bathtub scene in the trailer. <laughs> The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf drops on Netflix the 23rd of August 2021, just in time to refill our need for some twin coin tossing, <laughs> coin tossing Henry Cavill The Witcher season two that's coming out December 2021. Before we proceed to the next subject, Amazon also dropped the first image for their Lord of Rings series they are planning on releasing, showing a stunning landscape. It might be either Rivendell or Gondor. Or, well, I might also be completely wrong. It might be a completely new place for all we know. <laughs> Amazon hasn't really uh, said anything about that. <laughs> Next up, something I'm truly excited for. The Steam Deck. Valve is finally getting the hands into the handheld gaming business. No pun intended though with the Steam Deck, as I can play any game in your Steam library, aiming to be like the Nintendo Switch of PC gaming. It is technically like a portable PC, 
as you can plug it into any monitor that has a DisplayPort 1.4 port. Install your games and apps on it and even install other game stores such as Battle.net and the Epic Games Launcher according to Valve. Apple can learn a thing or two from this. <laughs> Steam Deck will run on a new version of SteamOS, which is Valve's Linux-based operating system, which we recently learned that they switched from Debian to Arch Linux due to assisting them pushing out rapid updates when needed. You will also be able to play any Windows games on it as well due to Proton, Valve's compatibility tech. Or if you want, you can completely uninstall SteamOS and install Windows or any other operating system of your choice, if you'd like. Steam Deck will begin shipping out in December 2021. However, that doesn't mean if you have reserved yours that you will receive it this year, as it shows on this site that the expected order availability is in the second quarter of 2022 across both the UK and US regions. Currently, the Steam Deck can only be reserved if you are in the US or UK regions, but those who own a VPN can easily bypass that and reserve their own Steam Deck for only 80 Rand at the current exchange rate. And the pricing for the three different versions of this bad boy is as follows. Again, at the current exchange rate of the 10th of August 2021. So the 64GB EMMC version is going for 5,917 Rand. The 256GB NVMe SSD version is going for 7,846 Rand. And the 512GB NVMe SSD version is going for 9,625 Rand. Luckily, you can also upgrade the storage of the Steam Deck with a micro SD card. I would suggest paying a bit more for a faster micro SD card to decrease loading times in video games. The Steam Deck specs were revealed by Valve alongside the console. The most important part to note is that the Steam Deck runs on an AMD APU, which means RDNA 2 and Zen 2. The Zen 2 architecture is the same one found within the AMD Ryzen 3000 and 5000 series processors. It also features a 4-core 8-thread CPU running between 2.4GHz and 3.5GHz maximum clock. I had a look around and it might be a customized AMD Ryzen 3 4300GE APU as it sort of matches the specs. Um, the Steam Deck also comes with 8 GPU compute units clocking at 1.6 GHz, which gives it a total of 512 shader cores, which isn't a massive amount seeing as the Xbox Series S comes with 20 RDNA 2 GPU compute cores, which is roughly 1,280 shader units. Um, but it is enough to get, at, get by at 720p without much hassle. The Steam Deck also has 16GB LPDDR5 running at 5500 MHz per second at 32-bit quad-channel. Now, this is a massive deal. Like, it is a big deal for an APU-powered system. As the more memory bandwidth it has, the better for the system. It also has a 7-inch LCD touchscreen at 1280x800 um, resolution at 60 hertz which isn't really something to write home to about trust me i tried no one in my family was really impressed by this by that but hey 
you will still be able to enjoy your games on the go. <laughs> it also does have an audio jack, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and a Type-C port. And it has a 40 watt hour battery, which will allow you to game for up to eight hours, which isn't really a long time. As a Valve developer, Pierre-Luc Griffay told IGN that you can play Portal 2 for four hours. And if you limit it to 30 FPS, you will be able to push it to five to six hours. Ideally, I would suggest if you want to get the Steam Deck to rather invest in the 512 gig model due to the games being big and it is also kitted with the MME SSD. Now you may ask what games will run on the Steam Deck? Well Valve has been talking about game performance on its handheld and said that all the games will be playable. They haven't found a game it couldn't handle. I wonder if Cyberpunk 2077 was included in this test. Overall, the Steam Deck does sound super amazing due to the fact that you can use it for more than just gaming. I'm just really concerned about the battery life. But I think with newer iterations, they will continue to improve the Steam Deck unless they dump it like they did with the Steam Machines. But hopefully the latter won't happen because, you know, Valve cannot count to three, and the saying third time's a charm will really not suffice there. Lastly, on our list to discuss is a fall of one of the most beloved video game companies, Blizzard, or as we know them now, Activision Blizzard. From free speech candles to massive layoffs and a discrimination lawsuit, this is how Blizzard's reputation fell in just three years' time which is quite sad actually. Now, it all started where Blizzard missed the mark with World of Warcraft expansion, Battle of Azeroth, enraging a lot of World of Warcraft players as they felt that their feedback that was given during the beta phase wasn't taken into consideration and the fact that there was no communication from the development team about long-standing issues made the matters even worse. By September of 2018, it was so bad that Ion Hosikastos, the game director for Battle of Azeroth, had to issue an apology to the community and promise to be more communicative and fix most of the issues surrounding Battle of Azeroth. Then, after all that, we all remember the meme of BlizzCon 2018 and the notorious sentence, Do you guys not have phones? As Wyatt Chang along with the Diablo team, announced Diablo Immortal. A massive, massive misstep, evaporating all the excitement fans had for the announcement of Diablo 4. Players who eagerly awaited a proper Diablo PC game felt trick, and it seemed like Blizzard was more interested in chasing trends rather than pleasing its loyal fanbase. Continuing the trend of not pleasing its fanbase, a month later, Blizzard decided to unexpectedly kill the pro scene for Heroes of the Storm, just before the 2019 season. Without warning, entire teams, commentators, and support staff were suddenly jobless. Though Heroes of the Storm was underperforming compared to Blizzard's other IPs, but everyone from fans to pros alike were infuriated 
that blizzard waited so late into the year to inform everyone. Even worse, teams and insiders weren't even given advance notice. They found out with everyone else. Then in early tw- January 2019, former Blizzard employee Julian Murillo Coelho posted a tweet longer on Twitter detailing the bullying and discrimination he faced while he worked at Blizzard, starting all the way back in 2016. He alleged that another employee repeatedly made racist remarks and harassed him and made any and any attempts made to resolve the issue with HR and higher management fell on deaf ear. He also claimed that he was retaliated against for speaking out and even received negative performance reviews, describing him as not a team player and difficult to work with. He was then placed on medical leave in 2017, as he began suffering from anxiety attacks and major depression, and then was placed on unpaid leave in 2018, causing him to hand in his resignation. Following the tweet longer, Blizzard issued a statement without addressing Julian's accusation, but reiterated their commitment to be inclusive and respectful in their work environment. But that didn't stop Activision from laying off over 800 employees, even though Activision Blizzard set financial records in 2018. Now, Bruce, that is around 8% of its employees across Activision, Blizzard, and King losing their jobs. In a Kotaku report published the 13th of February 2019, employees expressed outrage at Kotix, the CEO of Activision, comments and the significant layoffs against a record financial performance drew widespread condemnation from all corners of the industry. Departments like IT and esports were gutted while core development teams were left largely untouched. More criticism came Activision Blizzard's way as it began to rehire many of the roles which it had initially cut. Blizzard also created international outrage when it suspended Chung Blitzchung Nguai for calling for Hong Kong's liberation from the Chinese government during a post-match interview at the Asia-Pacific Hearthstone Grandmasters Tournament. Hong Kong was enveloped in chaos at the time as thousands of protesters fought against an extradition bill that would allow criminals to be transferred to mainland China. Blitzchung was initially suspended for a year and stripped of his prize winnings. The two Taiwanese casters present were also fired. A bit harsh, said Blizzard, totally not sucking up to the Chinese government. Even though Blitzchung did break one of the rules, their decision to suspend him drew widespread condemnation and became an international news story. Employees staged a walkout in protest and outraged players organized boycotts across all of Blizzard's games. Major Hearthstone casters resigned and Mitsubishi, which is one of Hearthstone's sponsors, pulled their support from any future events. Even American politicians got involved and penned a bipartisan letter condemning Blizzard's actions. Now, <laughs> that's a bit... Um, how can you feel that bad that even American politicians got involved in what you did? That's how you know you like screwed up. <laughs> Many speculated that Blizzard made the decision to stay in the Chinese government's good graces, since China, with net ease, has become an enormous part of Blizzard's business. 
The tensions got so bad that it spilled over to BlizzCon 2019 as hundreds gathered outside in protest, causing Blizzard's new president, J. Allen Brack, which took over the helm from Mike Moreham in 2019, to take to the stage and apologize for how Blizzard reacted. Initially, he didn't specify whether Blizzard would undo the suspension of Blitzchung, but in a PC Gamer interview later today, Brack did confirm that Blizzard will reduce the ban to just 6 months. The two Taiwanese casters, well, they are still fired though, and Brack denied their decision was influenced by its Chinese publishing partner NetEase. How true that is, we will never know. But, yeah, <laughs> money talks. Warcraft 3 Reforge also finally got released the next year in January 2020. It seems like most of Blizzard's stuff happened in January. First it was January 19, now it's January 2020. Um, and it was also first, Warcraft 3 was first announced. Ah, oh, Warcraft 3 Reforged was first announced at BlizzCon 2018. It was an ambitious remaster that would update the original 20, 2002 RTS. Best RTS game ever, in my opinion with HD graphics, re-recorded cutscenes, as well as an upgraded UI and world editor. But, alas, Reforged had failed to, to deliver on many, if not all, of its promises. Maps looked so much worse than on it the 2018 reveal. The re-recorded voiceovers were scrapped entirely, and worst of all, features that had been present in Warcraft 3, like offline play and clans, were missing. A new EULA was also introduced, which gave Blizzard full ownership of any mods that were made in Reforged, which unsurprisingly upset the whole Warcraft 3's modding community. I think Blizzard didn't want to lose another Dota to Valve or someone, in, in my personal opinion. Also, you couldn't just go back to Warcraft 3 as Reforged completely replaced it. So if you bought the game on Battle.net, it will completely change Warcraft 3 in Warcraft 3's installation. So every time you redownload it, it just redownload Warcraft 3 reforged. The only way you could still play the original one is to buy a physical copy or if you're lucky enough to own one, just reinstall it offline. Which which actually sucks. I I think Blizzard was drunk when they made that decision. Unsurprisingly, players were enraged. The outrage grew so large that Brack finally addressed it a few weeks later and apologized for how bad Blizzard missed the mark. Once again, another Warcraft game that missed the mark. First Battle of Azeroth, now Warcraft 3 Reforged. And promised that they would improve the game. A Bloomberg report released in 2021 claims that the failings of Reforged was due to mismanagement and Activision aggressively cutting the budget late in development, forcing the team to abandon features entirely. Now, uh, that does sound like a mini EA, if you know what I mean. Westwood and uh, Maxis. <laughs> a lot more ensued as Alexa Fraserby leaving Blizzard and also being mentioned in a sexual harassment lawsuit. Blizzard employees sharing a spreadsheet documenting their salaries in protest over low pay. Jeff Kaplan, or better known as Papa Jeff, the director of Overwatch, also leaving after 19 years 
and now this year, discrimination and sexual harassment lawsuit against Activision Blizzard. In July of 2021, the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing revealed it had revealed it had filed a lawsuit against Activision Blizzard, claiming that employees had faced constant sexual harassment, including groping, sexual comments, and advances, due to a frat boy-like workplace culture. The lawsuit was a result of a two-year investigation where the department claims it has discovered many situations where employees, mainly women minorities, were discriminated against sexually harassed and denied opportunities that were handed to less qualified personnel instead. The lawsuit includes anonymous testimonies. One testimony also stated that an employee allegedly committed suicide on a work trip after being subjected to sexual harassment from a manager. Former creative director Alex Afrezaibi, I just butchered his name, <laughs> and Blizzard president Jay Allen Brack with two managers also directly named in the suit. It mentions Afrasabi. I keep butchering the guy's name, but I think what I'm reading, what I'm reading off the script here, this this guy's name deserves to be butchered due to the stuff he did. Um, he sexually harassed several women while Brack allowed toxic behavior to fester and did little to stop it. Activision Blizzard denied the claims in a lawsuit calling it meritless, which outraged a lot of current and former employees who felt that they were being silenced, causing over 2,500 employees to sign an open letter condemning Activision Blizzard's leadership and demanding them to take accountability. A walkout was, was also staged in protest. Since all this happened, Jay Allen Brack has stepped down, being replaced by ja- Jane O'Neill and Mike Ibarra, to co-lead Blizzard. Jane O'Neill joined Blizzard in January 2021, before which she was the stu- studio head of Victoria's Visions, known for the Sony Oak Pro Series, Pro Skater Series, Crash Bandicoot, and Skylanders. Mike Ibarra was a longtime Xbox employee, holding various positions before joining Blizzard in 2019 as an executive vice president. And on that note, I feel like this is a good way to end the episode. Thank you for tuning in. And also, if you're wondering, yes, you have just lost the game. I've been your host, Evolt, and this has been Keith Tech. Thank you for tuning in. This episode of Keith Tech is brought to you by Brewtech. Looking for the best deals around South Africa with the fastest delivery possible? Look no further as Brutech has got you covered. They offer amazing pre-builds that are bang for the buck as well as super Kif upgrade kits.